Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we will be discussing an article titled Flies on Pastured Cattle. This can be found in the May issue of the Beef Watch newsletter. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dave Boxler, who's an entomologist at the West Central Research and Extension Center. Thanks for joining me today, Dave. You're most welcome. Well, Dave, this is the time of year when folks are currently turning cattle out to pasture or soon will be. And one of the challenges for cattle on pasture in the summer can be flies. In this article, you highlight some of the major fly species, as well as management practices that producers can utilize to minimize the impact of flies on cattle. Share with us a little more about the flies that we'll find on cattle in the summer, and also some practices we might put into place to reduce the economic impact of flies especially at high levels? Certainly. Well, one of the uh, historically uh, common flies that we've been dealing with uh, for many years on uh, pastured cattle would be the horn fly. And that's a very small blood feeding fly that normally can be seen on the sides, the top line of animals during the cool part of the day. On average, it will feed anywhere from 24 to 38 uh, times per day. And numbers can increase rather dramatically throughout the uh, grazing season. And here in Nebraska and in other parts of the country, we, uh, we consider an economic injury level of 200 flies per animal as the point where a producer should start employing some type of control strategy. And we normally see those population levels of 200 starting to appear in the latter part of May and early June. And of course, that is all dependent upon our weather. Uh, last year, when we had such a very cool, wet spring, we kind of delayed the population a little bit. Now, earlier this April, I thought that we were gonna really go into uh, summer very quickly, but we have cooled down uh, a little bit and looks like we will cool for another seven days, which will slow the development of the horn fly. The horn fly overwinters in Nebraska in the pupil stage, and it's found underneath the cow pat between the soil and the cow pat interface. So as temperatures increase, the flies become active and then start feeding. So far, I have not observed any horn fly numbers on any cattle, but uh, I expect to see some here within the next couple of weeks. So producers really need to start planning on, on some type of fly control. And for horn flies, we have a, a range of different fly control methods, ranging from dust bags and oilers to horons, whole animal sprays, feed-through products, which uh, encompasses a mineral and an insect growth regulator that actually goes through the animal as the animal consumes the mineral and the active ingredient is deposited in the manure, which acts upon the horn fly larvae that are developing in the cow pat. Uh, we also have a product called a vet gun, which is a air uh, delivered device that com is comprised of a, a small capsule and it uh, will have an active ingredient in it and it is shot out similar to a paint gun and is delivered in that fashion. That is well suited for small producers who cannot bring their cattle in to uh, treat the animals with such a, as a pour on 
or as a spray. And one of the primary fly control products that we have seen over the last 35 to 40 years is the insecticide air tag. And um, we've had some issues with it over the years with the horn fly resistance, but the companies that are producing these are uh, utilizing newer compounds and uh, new types of active ingredients. So there are some very effective air tags currently on the market. And uh, what's important to realize about insecticide air tags is the application date. You really want to focus putting that tag on in late May or early June. And I know for a lot of producers, that doesn't fit well with their management plan. And I understand that. But if you do choose to apply an insecticide tag earlier, say like the first week of May or even in April, you're going to probably lose about 50% of that active ingredient before fly numbers really start to increase. And we really need that long-lasting product later in the fly season when we see fly numbers, horn fly numbers, uh, exceeding one to 2,000 flies per animal. And, and that was pretty obvious last fall when uh, I was seeing horn fly numbers well over 3,000 per animal. And uh, that's a significant impact on your livestock. So those are some of the management strategies that we have for horn fly control. Now, in certain parts of the state, we have a, another pasture fly called the face fly. And that fly is found in areas where we normally have high moisture, high rainfall. And uh, that has been historically found in the eastern part of Nebraska. However, over the last four to five years, we've seen the face fly expand its range a little bit based on that precipitation into areas like Okalala, Nebraska, and North Platte, and, and uh, possibly even as far west as Sydney. And that fly is about the size of a house fly. And what makes this fly very difficult to deal with is that only the females will visit the animal and usually feed on secretions from the eye or from the mouth or nose area and or any uh, wound that might be on the animal, such as uh, being scratched with wire or something, they will be attracted to blood also. But it's the feeding activity of the female fly around the eye area that really sets the animal up for the possibility of having pink eye. The female face fly can vector the uh, causative agent of pink eye, and that's where things become a little bit more difficult. The fly is certainly uh, an infrequent visitor to the animal, so she's not on the animal a lot. Uh, most of the time she's spent off the animal. Treating for a pink eye can be very costly. Many times you have to bring the animal in, into a working chute, cover the eye with a patch, treat the eye with some medication, and possibly even provide an antibiotic. And you may have to do this multiple times. So there's an economic uh, factor involved with um, dealing with pink eye. One of the uh, better ways to try to reduce the face fly population on your cattle would be using a treatment that is directed towards the face, like a force use dust bag or a force use oiler, and possibly 
one of the best uh, control methods that we have currently would be the insecticide air tag because it is close to the eye and as the animal moves its head it blooms insecticide around the animal and will uh, hopefully get in contact with the female fly so in our research studies uh, the air tag certainly has provided the best reduction in face fly numbers now you can also use a feed through for face fly control and that's usually through a, a loose mineral or through salt. And there's a, a couple of oral larvicides that are available. And make sure that you read the label of the products that you're looking at because there's one product out there that is used widely for horn fly control but has no effect on face flies. So certainly read the label uh, of the product that you choose to use. The last fly that uh, has been impacting pasture cattle in Nebraska for close to 20 years now would be the stable fly. It's just slightly smaller than the house fly. And historically, it used to be found only in the feedlots and dairies of our state. But about 25 years ago, with the development of the round bale feeder, we noticed that the stable fly expanded its range into pasture settings. And we're still dealing with that issue today. Of course, a lot of people or producers use round bale feeder, especially in, in winter feeding sites. And a lot of the hay and whatnot might get spilled around it. And if we get a very wet spring, you have a very nice location for stable fly development. The stable fly does not develop in straight cow manure like the horn fly and face fly does. So normally the stable flies that you'll see feeding on your cattle and they'll feed primarily on the legs of the animals, probably be originating from somewhere other than your pastures, somewhere where there's um, a lot of organic decaying material that's available. Now, one way to determine if you do have stable flies feeding on your cattle, your pastured cattle, is just uh, in the mid-afternoon, drive around through your pastures, and if cattle are located in the corners of your fence lines, stomping their legs, that is a clear indicator that stable flies are present and they are feeding on, on your animals. Their impact is very significant uh, when it comes to weight gain. A study that we conducted here in the late 1990s on, on pasture cattle, in fact, we were using steers, showed a difference of 0.44 pounds in average daily gain between the animals that received an insecticide treatment and our control animals. And that was with a, a face fly population of, of 3.6 flies per leg. And we can often see population levels of more than 15 stable flies per leg in Nebraska cattle. So this fly is um, an infrequent visitor also. It normally feeds about two times a day, and then it will fly off to a shaded area to digest its blood meal. So there are several ways to approach stable fly control. If you can locate where the stable flies are resting in mid-afternoon, usually in trees or the side of shaded buildings, you can spray those. But generally speaking, what we do primarily is actually spray the animals. 
And here again, that can uh, uh, be somewhat labor intensive, but that really is the primarily effective treatment that we have. And you're probably going to get about a week to two week reduction in stable fly numbers, depending upon the population levels in your area. So these are uh, the, the three fly species that we currently have uh, on pasture cattle, Aaron. Dave, talk a little more about use of insecticides, whether it's in an ear tag or if we're spraying. In the article, you talk about mode of action and the importance of understanding the different modes of action and also how we might want to consider rotating modes of action to reduce the opportunity for flies to develop resistance to a product. Yes, uh, with the, uh, the products that we have available for livestock fly control, we have different modes of actions or what we call different classes of insecticides, and that's how they work on the fly itself, how they kill the fly. So essentially we have three different modes of action available to us. They are uh, either organophosphate, a uh, synthetic pyrethroid, or a macrocylic lactone, which would be the avamectin slash ivamectin type compounds. Now, what we need to do to help manage resistance in the situation of flies, uh, pasture flies, you need to rotate from one mode of action to another, uh, at least annually. And it wouldn't hurt, especially if you're using animal sprays, to do that on a monthly basis throughout the fly season. Because if you continue to use the same mode of action or class of insecticide that we have available, you do run the risk of increasing the chances of having fly resistance. And we've been managing or dealing with uh, synthetic pyrethroid resistance here in Nebraska now for about 30 years. So there's a, a classification system that was developed so that we can easily identify the mode of action for the particular compounds that we're using. And all insecticides are given a number which corresponds to the mode of action that, is, uh, that it is part of. And for example, synthetic pyrethroids have a mode of action group number three, whereas the organophosphates have a mode of action of 1B and the macrocylic lactones have a number six. So you can easily look at the label and it'll, it'll clearly show the mode of action group that this particular product is associated with. So you can easily rotate from one mode of action to another. And um, we, we need your help out there as livestock producers to help manage this, this fly resistance issue. And so if you can rotate uh, on a, at least a yearly basis between modes of action, that would be most beneficial. Anything else you'd like to highlight, Dave, as we point towards wrapping this up? Well, there's a, a new insecticide ear tag available this year. It is uh, called the MAX-40. It is uh, manufactured by Whitex uh, Corporation, and it contains a 40% active ingredient of diazinon. Uh, I have not looked at this tag yet. Uh, I expect to study it this summer as far as how effective it would be, but uh, this is one that uh, you can certainly look at as a possibility for utilizing in your fly management systems. Also, I might add that for a number of years, Whitex Corporation 
manufactured an ear tag strip that would hang on the back side of an identification ear tag. While those strips are not available again this year, there is some uh, manufacturing issues that are currently being experienced by Whitex, and they hope to work through that to have that ready to go for uh, the 2021 season. Because I know a lot of producers really like that concept of delivering product using an AirTag strip. Those are the items that are new for 2020. Dave, for folks who are looking for some alternative besides using an insecticide, what are options out there for them if something they might consider? Well, when it comes to, say, a, a stable fly issue, we are evaluating some new stable fly traps. One that we looked at last year, it's called the nightstick trap. And essentially, it's a piece of uh, four inch diameter PVC pipe, about 12 inches tall. And it has a a synthetic wrap that goes around it, which is coated with a sticky substance like an adhesive. And what makes this trap work so well is that the adhesive that the company is utilizing reflects uh, light in a wavelength that's very attractive to the stable fly. So we uh, studied this trap last year. We positioned them in areas where cattle either water or where cattle kind of loaf in the afternoon. And we were very successful in, in actually capturing a, a number of stable flies uh, off the cattle. So we're exploring this trap uh, in a little more detail. We are also uh, evaluating some new green products that are comprised of fatty acids. And they are uh, very effective uh, as far as being lethal, and in some cases actually can repel some fly species for a number of hours. So these are hopefully options that will be available to producers who want to use something that is um, eco-friendly and is safe for the environment, uh, and certainly safe for the applicator as well as the animal. Well, thanks again for joining me today, Dave. You're very welcome. Well, for more information on the article that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, you will be able to find this article, as well as additional resources on this topic.